Greetings, welcome, bienvenidos, hola, aloha, ni hao, namaste, konnichiwa, bonjour, bonjourno, sawadikarup, guten tak, ciao, we viva kat bang, half a day, ciao, janendra, Privyet, salam, shalom, peace, now, go vegan, peace, how, go vegan, this is Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and uh, we've been doing this for 20 years now, for 20 years. I often say there's no business like vegan show business, and uh, uh, certainly hasn't been the most financially savvy approach to life that I might have taken, this radio activism over the years, talking about the plight of the animals and how we can save them by going vegan and save the planet and save your family's health. Not the, not, not, not the wisest financial route that I may have taken. There's no business like vegan show business. Um, but now I might say that there really is no business like vegan business, which is booming. It's the wave of the future. Maybe I have to figure out a way to get to the other side and the the food part of the uh, the equation here. Um, that's where that's where the money is. I I often have said that the Natural Products Expo in Anaheim is uh, like my favorite weekend of the year uh, because it concentrates on the food. Because over the years, so many people have said to me, "Okay, I'm I'm convinced. You know, like you've convinced me. I want to go vegan now." What do I eat? And, uh, well, that's, uh, that's the uh, financially savvy side of the business, as we have Jenny Goldfarb coming up on today's show. She created Mrs. Goldfarb's uh, Unreal Deli. She's the great-granddaughter of a delicatessen owner. Now, now she's involved with delicatessen as opposed with uh, the delicatessen. And she was on Shark Tank, and she got the big bucks from Mark Cuban. So I have to look at my financial future here, too, and say, I have to get into uh, into the vegan business side of things. And uh, because all indications are that is what's happening. If I look at this uh, article that's in Business Expert in the U.K., it says the headline is The Vegan Revolution How Plant Based Foods Are Set to Dominate the Economy. Please, please tell me more. Okay, I will. I'll read you the article here. It says Once considered a fringe dietary pursuit, veganism is now a global movement that is growing at warp speed. In fact, the last 10 years have seen global numbers multiply by more than seven times, especially among the under 35s. With one in eight Brits, or almost 13% of the population, now vegetarian or vegan. And by the way, um, here, I, I'll, I'll interrupt my reading of the article here. Uh, vegetarian or vegan? Vegetarian should not be coupled with vegan. Vegetarian still goes with meat eaters. It's kind of like meat eater light. If you're a non-vegan vegetarian, you're still uh, hurting the animals. The animals are dying, destroying the environment, threatening your health. 
I don't know why we uh, put uh, we match vegetarians and vegans together. Vegans are in a class of their own. But okay, I'll continue with the article here. So it says with one in eight Brits or almost 13% of the population now vegetarian or vegan, and a further 21% identifying as flexitarian, uh, this means that at least one-third of the population are now eating a meat-reduced diet. So what's been driving this massive expansion of herb, uh, uh, herbivorous behavior? Uh, and uh, how has that in turn affected global business? Well, in this article, we're going to look at the growth of the vegan economy, analyzing why it's happening, and what can we expect for the decades ahead? What is driving the rise in the vegan economy? Estimates for the global vegan food market now predicted to reach 31.4 billion by 2026. Oh, I, 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 I need to make my, my vegan dip for the world. I need, I need my part of that 31.4 billion. Um, continuing here, it says, set against the decline in the global meat market, a $1.8 trillion industry, by 3% during 2020, it's clear that the plant-based economy is going to fill the gap. But what is driving the cultural shift? Evidence suggests the shift is coming primarily from younger generations who place animal welfare, personal health, and the climate crisis at the forefront of their consumer choices. Gen Z and the millennials are by far the most likely age groups to be vegan and vegetarian. 87.5% of Gen Z are worried about the environment. 41% of Gen Z feel that climate change is the single most important issue facing the planet. And by the way, going vegan is the only solution for climate change, if you consider that animal agriculture uh, is the number one cause of climate change, generating at least 51% of human-generated greenhouse gas emissions, and the climate specialists tell us that only a population shift to vegan will solve the problem and take us to pre-industrial carbon levels. And then we would also free the land the size of Africa uh, for uh, reforestation and species recovery. So going vegan is the only solution. The Gen Zs are getting the right idea. Okay, back to the article. It says 35% of Generation Z want to be meat-free by 2021. Well, it's here now, 35%. Not enough. Not enough. Let's, let's keep it going. Okay, anyway, back to the article. It says, the rise of the vegan influencer. Ah, I've been doing this show for 20 years. Can I take some credit? Can I, can I? Anyway, it says here, there's little doubt social media has played a crucial part in promoting veganism amongst younger people. As digital and social media natives, Gen Z teens have never known a world without Facebook, uh, TikTok, and uh, Instagram. Analysis by Brainwatch shows that veganism is actually the most popular nutrition topic on social media, 
written about by some 54% of food influencers. Uh, people such as Ariana Grande, uh, Lewis Hamilton, Kim Kardashian, Serena Williams, and Moby are all vegan and have huge social followings, uh, points out Scott McCulloch, founder of Box Scheme, the vegan kind. Generation Z is growing up on an environment uh, in an environment whereby they are concerned about the future of planet Earth and use social media to discuss and engage with these issues. Remember this show, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, the first vegan show ever to infiltrate mainstream media 20 years ago. That's right. It's, a, it's our 20th year now. Uh, 20 years ago, we uh, came on KRLA in Los Angeles and then expanded to radio stations in uh, San Francisco and then across the country, the Air America Radio Network, Clear Channel and CBS stations around the country, the GCN Network. We were first with this this uh, message here. Um, okay, battle for the center of the plate. Back to the article, and you know it's a, a British article because center is C-E-N-T-R-E here. Battle for the center of the plate. From the McDonald's plant burger to the vegan suite at the Hilton London Bankside Hotel, one sector after another is waking up to the power of the vegan economy. Originally limited to niche companies with a core vegan ethos, we're now seeing brands like Nestle launching the Garden Gourmet's Incredible Burger in Europe, Kraft Heinz selling vegan mayo and uh, dairy giant uh, uh, Danon, uh, or here they say Danon, D-A-N-O-N-E, in the U.S. is that the same as Danon? I don't know. Uh, giant, uh, uh, the dairy giant releasing its first plant-based Actimel range, um, continuing here. With protein forming a core component of most meals in the Western diet, this is a battle for the center of the plate, as Justin Sherrard, strategist at uh, Rabobank, uh, puts it. Uh, Rabard goes into goes on to point out that the vegetarian protein market, and really vegetarian should mean vegan, right? Like since since when are you know can you can you have a, a cheese omelet and a glass of milk and you call yourself vegetarian? As the dairy industry and the egg industries laugh all the way to the bank, huh? Okay. Anyway, so really vegetarian should mean vegan, but you know everything gets sold out. You know animal rights should mean vegan, but. Uh, but they wind up promoting to the animal organizations, so-called animal organizations wind up promoting ridiculous things like cage-free eggs and uh, the uh, the better chicken commitment and enriched cages and all sorts of nonsense. Everything gets you know, corrupt and sold sold out, except for this show, which which is why I, I should beg you to make a donation at GoVeganRadio.com right now and support us. Uh, we're, we're not quite in the vegan economy, you know, uh, un until I get into the food business here. Have I mentioned that there's no business like vegan show business? 
Okay, so uh, Rabard uh, goes on to point out that the uh, vegetarian protein market is of greater interest than is uh, than its current size uh, denotes by itself because it indicates the broader cultural shift that will see a reduction in meat industry dominance. Quote, plant-based is not a threat, end quote, said Wayne England, who leads uh, Nestle's food strategy, continuing to quote, on the contrary, it's a great opportunity for us. Many of our existing brands can play much more uh, in this space um, than they do today. So we're accelerating that shift, and there's also space for new brands, end quote. How big could the vegan economy get? If we use the plant-based milk industry as an example, an increase from 13 to 35 billion within five years, it's clear that veganism has not only become mainstream, but could replace the traditional diet within the next century. I can't wait that long. <laughs> at my age, at my age, vegan now for 37 years, at my age, how many, how many years am I vegan in dog years, huh? A report by global consultants A.T. Kenny goes so far as to say that by 2040, 60% of meat will no longer come directly from animals, but will be derived from either cultured meat or plant-based alternatives. And again, here's the sellout, cultured meat. Cultured meat is not vegan. These are cell cultures from animals that are generally grown in uh, bovine fetal serum, right? So, sorry on the, uh, you know, this lab meat, this cultured meat, sorry, not buying it. Like I, like I don't buy the non-vegan vegetarian. Okay, um, back to the article here. By that uh, reckoning, the conventional meat industry is on a 20-year countdown to being superseded, a remarkable fact given that it's worth $2 trillion per year. With food shaping our job markets and even our religious and cultural identities, it's clear that this transition will affect every corner of our planet. Our religious identities, maybe people who are interested in, um, in biblical terms, should uh, look to uh, Genesis uh, book 1, verse 29. We're right there in the Old Testament, in the Bible, God's first commandment is to be vegan. So, uh, is that it for the article? I think so. All right. Anyway, so that's the article from Business Expert. You can check it out, The Vegan Revolution, How Plant-Based Foods Are Set to Dominate the Economy. So, I've, I've had it all wrong in my thinking. I mean, I should, I should do what's... Uh, 
what's close to my heart and get get into the vegan food industry look look at where it is now and how it's going to grow by leaps and bounds and here i was i thought i was gonna you know try to figure out how to uh and enhance my uh, financial uh, present and future by maybe even you know going into the into the mask business you know i i there i was i thought like you know let's 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 go with the times the times are telling telling me that it's really vegan business so why was i thinking of going into the into the mask industry uh well i thought maybe i could produce uh, Groucho, Groucho marx masks you know the uh you know the glasses and the nose and the mustache and maybe uh maybe along with that include a piece of duct tape so people can put that over their mouths why a duck uh why a duct tape because uh, then you know people can put that over their mouths along with the uh, or not put it over their mouths and uh, you, you have to admit though that uh, if everybody instead of wearing the mask that they're wearing now were wearing you know Groucho Marx uh, masks it would bring a smile to your face right and uh, who has seen a smile in anybody's face for the past year you can't tell if anybody's smiling our faces are gone our smiles are gone bring back that smile so i don't know maybe it's not the smartest idea for me to you know i don't know if i how many masks i could produce on what timeline maybe ready for a covid uh, 28 or covid 29 by that time uh then again do i really want to contribute to the uh, mask pollution that's happening now i mean so the number of masks um 1.56 billion face masks were dumped in the oceans in 2020 of the 52 billion manufactured so just when all the sea creatures were evolving into uh you know being able to uh survive on a diet of uh, aquafina plastic bottles now they have to adjust to these uh face masks which are also plastic uh, unbelievable huh now follow the money here somebody had to know something was happening to be in the face mask business 52 billion manufactured in 2020 wow it's pretty amazing huh um and so let's see worldwide humans use 129 billion face masks per month three million masks uh are produced what per Three million masks per minute. People use three million masks per minute. <laughs> uh, so the the plastic is uh, microfibers. Uh, they're not biodegradable, and they can fragment. And that's our next big ocean pollution. And then of course you know you have the the strings around the ears that I'm sure will get caught on you know birds' beaks. And it, it it's it's just another environmental mess. And uh, how healthy is it really to be wearing the masks? I think we're um, 
breathing in our own carbon dioxide, which we're not, which, you know, are we killing trees by wearing masks? Also, this is like an environmental disaster. The trees are going, where's our carbon dioxide from the people? And people are breathing back in their own carbon dioxide and, uh, you know, limiting oxygen, which is not safe. So um, there are, I'll, I'll just point to a couple of studies that you can, I would say maybe you can Google it, but it's probably on the fourth page of Google. And then when you get there, some fact checker will say, no, this isn't true. But um, there are uh, studies called Masks, False Safety and Real Dangers, Part 1, Friable Mask uh, Particulate and Lung Vulnerability, and Part 2, uh, microbial challenges for masks. So apparently it's uh, somewhat dangerous. You know, it, it, it kind of ruins it for wearing the mask, like the way you touch it before you put it on your face. And I don't know. I don't know. But it's big business. It's big business. Um, and uh, it's another big business. I've missed out on that big business myself. I don't know. I know I got to figure out a way to make some money here, you know, so uh, I don't know how well I'm going to do. You know, I've mentioned over the past year that I've had some other ideas. I don't know how well they're going to work. I had my compostable, reusable, recyclable, edible, hand sanitizing toilet paper still in the works, but didn't go to market yet. So I don't know about that. And... Uh, also, you know, I, I was thinking of, you know, Bob's Toxic Discarded Hazardous Mask Pickup Service. Like, you think of how gross those masks are. And I see them all over the place, too. Well, you just mentioned how many have been discarded. But, you know, when I take the dogs for walks, I probably see a discarded mask on one out of 20 walks or so. And... uh I would think you wouldn't want to touch it, right? You wouldn't. So maybe if I had my hazardous mask pickup service, I don't know, you know, an app. I'll have to develop an app, an app for that. Thought maybe I could do, maybe I could work on, on tattoos. You know, Bob's vaccination passport tattoo art. I could work on that, you know, right where you, uh, you get the, uh, the tattoo. Uh, right, right where you get the um, the prick, you know, uh, Bill Gates' uh, prick of, of your skin. And then uh, I guess for people who have the, uh, have the vaccination for a vaccination passport, you could have Bill Gates smiling for a tattoo. And then um, if you don't have the vaccination can have uh, have Bill Gates frowning huh so I don't know about this uh, this vac vaccination also it's uh, pretty wild what's going on for me I look at the video of dr. fauci and uh, I look at the video of dr. fauci throwing out the first pitch at a major league baseball game i think it's 
probably a year ago now that that he did it, right? And uh, well, <laughs> like the pitch was. It was like uh, more like he was trying to pick off somebody at first base by rolling the ball in that direction. I mean, like, how much did he practice? So if he practices medicine the way he practices throwing out the first pitch, uh, there, there, there could be trouble, you know? So um, just watch the video of Dr. Fauci throwing out the, the first pitch. And, uh, you know, that... I don't know. I, I see somebody like that throwing throwing a baseball like that, and I think, uh-uh, I don't trust. I don't trust the vaccines. And uh, I don't know why. Why? Why are people so willing to become part of this experiment that's going on right now with a vaccine that isn't really even a vaccine? And I wasn't so thrilled with vaccines when they were vaccines, considering that they contain mercury and heavy metals, you know, that they have formaldehyde and aluminum, um, and, uh, you know, they're certainly not vegan, generally having ingredients that comes from chickens or eggs or pigs or monkeys. So the, those were the uh, old vaccines. Now we have this experimental vaccine that's uh, more like uh, an operating system. And, of course, uh, Bill Gates is uh, financing most of this. So um, this is an experiment. The, the current vaccine, the new vaccine that isn't the vaccine, um, is totally experimental. So it's, it's not even approved by the FDA. This is for uh, emergency use only. And it should be emergency use only when there's nothing available known to be, you know, treatment for it and I think that's probably hidden also that there have been treatments for COVID but okay so so what do we have we have um you know and and this show for 20 years has been concerned of course about animals and the environment and your health and so in terms of you know being concerned for your health I'm here to uh just talk to you about, you know, thinking about what you're doing. Uh, I, I don't want, you know, six months or a year from now or two years from now to be coming on here and saying, you know, I told you so, which I, of course, I don't want to do. But, uh, you know, just, just to blindly accept what the pharmaceutical industry sells us is uh, a little scary. Um by the way, you know, you're being urged to get vaccinated, 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 and be part of this human experiment. Remember, there are 1,500 lobbyists from the pharmaceutical industry or pharmaceutical industry um, spending uh, $300 million a year on lobbying. So, and the pharmaceutical industry is not liable if you are injured or if somebody is killed by the vaccines. You can't sue the pharmaceutical companies who make these vaccines. It's pretty amazing. So let's look at the, you have the Pfizer, the, the new Pfizer BioNTech. Is it BioNTech or BioNTech uh, mRNA um, 
I, I don't know, mRNA uh, operating system that's being injected into people. Uh, M meaning uh, messenger RNA. And uh, the BioNTech part is uh, manufactured in Germany. By the way, to, to accept a uh, Bill Gates operating system injection, if you consider how happy you've been with Windows over the years, or Skype, you know, how much they have to be rebooted or they fail or whatever, you're going to take this as an injection into your body? Okay. Um, in the uh, Pfizer uh, vaccine, it's not a vac vaccine. So this includes uh, lipids and fats and cholesterol. Um, I don't know, is the cholesterol from, from animals? I don't know, lipids, fats, cholesterol. And uh, so just the reported side effects, by the way. Uh, severe allergic reactions. Uh, uh, and uh, so rash, uh, itching, hives, swelling of the face, uh, 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 injection site pain, swellness, uh, swelling, redness, tiredness, headaches, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, fever, nausea, feeling unwell, swollen lymph nodes, diarrhea, vomiting, arm pain. So you're willing to uh, take that. Um, okay. You know, this is... That's Pfizer reported side effects. Um, then uh, you have Moderna. Again, another unimproved vaccine. Uh, and, and these uh, unapproved uh, vaccines that aren't vaccines don't really claim that they can prevent you from getting uh, COVID-19. In fact, many people who are vaccinated are getting COVID-19 and still spreading it. But okay, this is big money. This is this is the biggest money the pharmaceutical kill industry has perhaps ever seen from this. And people are just accepting it. This messenger RNA. Um, okay, so this so you know it has the ribonucleic acid and also in the Moderna you have the lipids and the cholesterol which I don't know may or may not be from animals where else are you going to get cholesterol huh? um, and also the possible uh, severe uh, uh, with this possible severe allergic reactions difficulty breathing swelling of the face and the throat uh, fast heartbeat um, bad bad rash all over your body dizziness weakness and 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 people are saying yeah here sure sign me up for that right injection site pain tenderness um also uh swelling of the uh, lymph nodes uh fatigue headache muscle pain nausea vomiting fever so basically 
uh, you'll feel as bad, you can feel as bad with this vaccine that's not a vaccine as you would by getting the disease. And why wouldn't you let your body just naturally deal with, you know, the virus? Why, why are you getting some special coded uh, virus? Uh, Johnson & Johnson's uh, Janssen, again, emergency use authorization only. Um, you, you can't require somebody to take a vaccine or a drug that has not been approved emergency uh, use only you, you you know you can't be required to take it and again with the johnson and johnson so it says it has the recombinant replication incompetent uh adenovirus type 26 expressing the sars uh, coronavirus 2 spike protein and then it has ethanol and polysorbate 80. Well, uh, also, uh, Johnson & Johnson's vaccine has been, um, uh, it's been halted for the moment. Johnson & Johnson has many problems with uh, mix-ups and ingredients and manufacturing, so um, it's a mess for Johnson & Johnson right now. And you know, there have been people reporting blood clots and other uh, situations. Polysorbate 80, if you check it out, uh, it's, it's toxic and it's known to cause blood clots and heart attacks. So, and uh, there is this, uh, uh, this uh, vaccine adverse event reporting system, V-A-E-R-S, which already has over 50,000 adverse reactions reported, uh, about 8,000 serious injuries, and over 2,000 deaths from uh, these uh, experiments. You're, everybody who takes these um, so-called vaccines Everybody is participating in the greatest experiment on humans, and, I, and great what I mean in numbers, not so great, probably in effects, and then we'll see more effects six months down the road or a year from now. No, nobody knows what's going on with this. It's all an experiment. Um, and uh, if you have uh, any uh, side effects, the, the number that you call is one 800 8227967 and it is said that maybe 1% of the effects are reported so 50,000 reactions adverse reactions 8,000 injuries 2,000 deaths could only represent 1% what's out there even if you know and uh, so Basically, what these vaccines, so-called vaccines, do is they deliver a genetic code, a genetic code uh, to the body cells, you know, altering your genes. This is this is gene alteration. This is what's happening. So Johnson and Johnson uses uh, it, it, it's using something related to uh, modified virus, which uh, uh, causes a common cold in chimpanzees. So that's that's what it's using. Uh, and to, to produce these viruses, the host cells um, 
come from, uh, well, you know, for some vaccines, the host cells use uh, chicken cells and uh, others use uh, human cells. And the uh, Johnson & Johnson uses the HER293, which is from the kidney of an aborted fetus, uh, a fetus aborted, aborted in uh, 1973. Um, and uh, there have been uh, problems with the uh, AstraZeneca virus also, um, which, too, which is also the mRNA So, um, it's, it's all an experiment. It, this is a genetic modification of your body. Uh, and, uh, the AstraZeneca has had problems in Europe too. So a lot of people are resisting these, but you know, we're, we're being told you gotta have it. You gotta have it. Um, I say, you know, if you want, if you want a vaccine, you got to have it. How's this for a vaccine? Vegan food, vegan food, you know, take it orally. You don't need a shot. Also, there are supplements uh, known to be good for this uh, coronavirus situation. Vitamin C and zinc, quercetin, vitamin D. Um, and, you know, as I said, this is experimental, not FDA approved for emergency. Uh, it's for emergency use only. And again, your employer, your school, nobody can make you take it. It's, uh, you know, this is according to federal law, but also it, uh, it's part of the Nuremberg Code. There are 10 points in the Nuremberg Code. Uh, you know, and in Nuremberg, in Germany, there were the experimentation, the, all of this experimentation happening on humans at Auschwitz. And then there were the Nuremberg trials. And so the Nuremberg Code, number one, uh, regarding an experiment like is happening right now everywhere. Number one. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. And are people being informed about what could happen to them, what the side effects could be? Probably not, right? So that's number one, uh, informed consent. So number one, the voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. Number two, the experiment should be such as to yield fruitful results for the good of society, unprocurable by other methods or means of study, and not random and unnecessary in nature. Number three, the experiment should be so designed and based on the results of animal experimentation oh no so this is the nuremberg code the anti-nazi code and yet w written within it is uh speciesist human supremacist oppression when i when i see this 
I'm reminded of the um, Isaac Bashevis Singer quote. Isaac Bashevis Singer was the uh, award-winning writer back in the time of the Nazis. What he said was, quote, in the behavior, uh, in their behavior toward creatures, all men are Nazis. Human beings see oppression vividly when they are the victims. ...blindly and without a thought. And so, yeah, there's that. And, uh, you know, my, uh, my, uh, YouTube feeds me when it's on autoplay. It very often feeds me these lectures, and I don't know why very often they are Jordan Peterson. Um, and I happened to see something the other day uh, which uh, was equally disturbing. Let me see if I can find this for you here quickly. Um, it was from the Aspen Ideas Festival, an interview of Jordan Peterson. And, um, well, let, let me see if you can hear this. I'm very, I'm very low tech, very low tech on my, uh, <laughs> on my production values here, but let's, let's see if you can hear this, uh, from, uh, Jordan Peterson, Aspen Ideas Festival. I wonder about, you love to quote this line, this Nietzsche line, that anyone who has a why to live for, can endure almost any how. Yeah. What's your why? What is driving you? You are the most busy man. I mean, to get you here, you know, I think you're like in Port wherever you were last night in Portland tomorrow. Like, I don't know how you're alive, frankly, right now. What is driving you? Like, what what is this relentless drive? What are you pushing toward? I'm trying to. Well, when I spent 15 years writing the first book I wrote which is called Maps of Meaning, and it's, a, it's, it, it's akin to 12 Rules to Life, although it's a much more difficult book. The audio version of that book is out now, by the way. It's been out since June 12th, and I would, if you like 12 Rules or you were interested in it, then you could try that. I think the audio version is much more accessible because it's a difficult book. Getting the cadences of the, of the sentences right is an aid to comprehension. I spent 15 years writing that book, about three hours a day writing, and a lot more time reading. And I was interested in solving a problem, which was um, I was interested in the great atrocities of the 20th century, the ones that were committed on the right and the ones that were committed on the left. But I was interested in that psychologically. And what that meant was, had I been there, what could have I done to not participate? And so that's what I've been trying to figure out. How? So because for me, what happened in Nazi Germany and what happened in the Gulag Archipelago and in Maoist China, many places, was sufficient definition of hell. Convincing as well. And I wanted to understand what the opposite of that was. And not sociologically or politically or economically, because I think that in the final analysis, those levels of explanation are insufficient. But psychologically, how is it that you must conduct yourself in the world so that if the opportunity to participate in such things arises, 
you won't. And, you know, when the Holocaust museums went up, there was, there was a motto that went along with them, which was never forget. And I thought, yeah, fair enough, but you can't remember what you don't understand. And so I wanted to understand it, but I wanted to understand it. You see, when people read history, they, they either read it as a detached observer or they tend to read it as, well, maybe the heroic, the her heroic protagonist people like to imagine that they would be Schindler in Schindler's List, but that's wrong. So because the probability that you'll be the perpetrator is much higher, especially merely the perpetrator who's ensconced in silence when silence is not the appropriate thing. So I wanted to, having figured out what constituted hell and the pathway to that, which would be, I suppose, the cowardice that produces, the cowardice and resentment that produces either complicitness in those events or failure to oppose them when they emerge, I wanted to understand what the opposite of that was. Because I think that's what needs to be learned from what happened in the 20th century. And so that's why I wrote Maps of Meaning, was to understand that and to lay out what the opposite was. And then that turned well, out to be extremely helpful. To well, me. the opposite, actually, course. the opposite of that is going vegan. Because by eating meat, dairy, fish, and eggs, we are creating a hell on earth for the innocent. And Jordan Peterson before he became deathly ill recently, he's recovered, he was on a 100% meat diet. 100% meat diet be before he became deathly ill. And here he was, he's motivated by... Um, he, he's, he's motivated by trying to find an understanding of what makes people participate in creating hell for others and uh, he, he couldn't see it right in front of his face with a 100% meat diet what can you say right I mean to the uh, to the animals uh, all humans are Nazis right um, gosh I don't mean to be so heavy here but uh, maybe I do um, and again you know, going through hell, uh, I, I just have to wonder what kind of hell people are going to go through when, th as you know, as the result of this uh, this uh, human experiment taking place right now with these uh, vaccines that aren't vaccines. They are uh, you, you're uh, modif they're, you're modifying your genetics. So after you get this vaccine you become a GMO. So all the people who take this uh, experimental vaccine will be GMOs, and who knows what happens in the future. So um, hopefully you'll drink my, my vegan milk or whatever I develop <laughs> in my vegan business, okay? I probably have stress, uh, you know, stress... Uh, syndrome from doing this show sometimes you know so anyway um let's go vegan radio with bob linden and uh <laughs> man get some get heavy here sometimes right that's why i need to be on the on the food side of this i need to to make some money and uh yeah
vegan business is where it's at. And coming up, somebody who's doing well with a new vegan business, coming up on Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, we will hear from Jenny Goldfarb, the creator of Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. We'll talk to her. Like I said, she was on Shark Tank and got the big bucks from Mark Cuban. We'll talk about that. And also, hey, a shout-out to uh, Evolution, vegan dog and cat food. There's a vegan business for you, a family-owned vegan business, been around for 30 years now, giving you the option to, uh, you know, to, to, to vote with your consumer dollars and not give it to the uh, slaughterhouse industry, the pharmaceutical industry. We are so brainwashed. I mean, we're, we're, you know, if you saw any of the undercover video of the CNN uh, director, I mean, he was saying how fear sells and with COVID, I mean, COVID was great for ratings and the more numbers, the bigger the numbers, the more infected, the more deaths, the better for ratings. And CNN happens to be financed by the pharmaceutical industry, and uh, so it's a win-win for everyone except, you know, except for you and me. Um, Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food in business for 30 years now, not one product recall, so, and... uh, Look at the mess already with the with the vaccines and Johnson and Johnson and its ingredient screw ups and all of that stuff going on. It's messed up already in its formative stages. All right. Daisy loves Evolution Vegan Dog and Cat Food. She loves her Evolution. Um, you can order it by calling six five one two two eight zero six three two six five one two two eight 0632. Uh, you can go to petfoodshop.com and uh, evolution is for all stages of your dogs and cats' lives. And uh, they, through research, it looks like they have uh, happy, healthy lives. Looks like even a little healthier than when they're eating what's scraped off the slaughterhouse floor, which is hell, which is uh, Jordan Peterson's diet. Hey, support your uh, local vegan restaurants. Hopefully they've been able to stay in business through this pandemic, scandemic, pandemic, whatever's going on here. Uh, they, uh, They are the treasures of the community. You're Local vegan restaurants, support them. Hopefully things are opening up and you'll be able to eat there, you know, in person or get the takeout. And uh, I want to give a shout out to Vegetarian House in San Jose, one of my favorite vegan restaurants in the world. It's been around a couple of decades and uh, it's 100% vegan, non-GMO, organic and delicious. You can go to vegetarianhouse.com. And to support this show until I get, you know, one of my one of my new business ventures going, which obviously should be in the vegan food industry, you can do you can make a donation at goveganradio.com. Thank you for listening.
It's Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com. On Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. And, uh, yes, it's our 20th anniversary, 20 years as the first vegan talk show ever in mainstream media. Starting 20 years ago on KRLA in Los Angeles and uh, between then and now, all sorts of stations around the country and networks, Air America Network, now doing the podcast thing. And you can uh, support us with a donation at GoVeganRadio.com. If you haven't done so yet in the past 20 years, you've been waiting to see if we hang around. Well, we're, we're still here, committed to doing it for the animals. And uh, today we're happy to have with us Jenny Goldfarb, who, uh, hi Jenny, how are you? Hey Bob, I'm great. (laughs) Thanks for the opportunity to connect with you and your audience. Thanks for being with us. Jenny is the founder of Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. And uh, I got to try some of that Unreal Deli, which I enjoyed very much. I had the corned beef and... uh, uh, turkey, it seemed like turkey roll to me from my my youth. Uh, at least that's what it, it reminded me. You know, I grew up in New York City, and uh, which meant I uh, spent a lot of time at delicatessens in New York, and sometimes on yep. the Lower East Side, and uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Cantor's, I think. Cantor's Deli? Cantor's is LA. Katz's is huge in New York, of course. Katz, okay, yeah. And I Somehow I remember that uh, big bowl of uh, pickles and sour tomatoes, which I liked a lot. And Mm -hmm. uh, I also uh, ate a lot of sandwiches that I I wouldn't eat now. But uh, look at you. You've come up with uh, vegan versions of uh, those iconic (laughs) deli sandwiches. So, uh, yeah. How did that happen? (laughs) What got you interested in in that? Sure. So, um... I grew up on the standard American diet, and I actually had family in the deli business. You're saying about the Lower East Side. I had a great-grandfather who immigrated to this country, and he didn't speak the language, and he was, of course, Jewish, and so he wound up getting into sort of like the deli racket. He was a dishwasher originally, and then he came to ultimately, like the American dream, came to own and operate many New York City delis and cafeterias. And so I like to say that corned beef, pastrami, turkey, roast beef, that this was just latent in me. And I and I ate it tons growing up. And then I became vegan for the animals about seven years ago after some friends shared some videos of what's happening on these factory farms. And it broke my heart to pieces. And I was resolute to change my ways. And I told my very meat and potatoes husband that I were going vegan and he wasn't so psyched, but I was a learning curve and I painstakingly figured out how to cook from the produce and grain sections. And after a while, I realized that there were so many good vegan alternatives out there for so many things, burgers and cheeses. And of course, there were so many ways to make vegetables yummy on their own. But what I missed most was my classic New York style deli meat. And so I sought out to recreate it just for my own enjoyment. And it wound up so delicious, this corned beef that I came up with, that friends and family started saying to me, you should make a business out of this. And I had zero experience in the food world and just a second of experience in the business world. 
And I nonetheless reached out to some folks, found a tiny kitchen that I could rent and start making it myself. And I started selling it at just the Cantor's Deli, as you just mentioned, that was one of our first big customers. And we got into all the big delis around LA. And then I reached out to Whole Foods and they brought us in in a pre-made sandwich. And then I applied for Shark Tank and wound up getting on the show and made a deal with Mr. Mark Cuban for more than double the cash I was asking for. And after that, we got very big into restaurants. We were in all these different 30, 40, 50 chain restaurants. And we were working with even Quiznos, who was going to do this big North American expansion in March of last year. That is until COVID hit. And when COVID hit, we realized that our restaurant partners were struggling. And if we were going to stay in business, we needed to quickly pivot into retail, which we did on a dime. And we got all of our packaging made and we came out with our second item on real roasted turkey so that the corned beef wouldn't be sitting by itself on the shelf. And now we're creating our third item, which is unreal steak slices, like a really fine roast beef, basically, with charbroiled edges, already Mark Cuban's favorite. And we've gotten the green light now um, into 1,200 supermarket doors spanning the country, and it should easily be 2,000 or, or well above by the end of this year. What a success story for the great-granddaughter of a delicatessen or delicatessen delicatessens and cafeterias yeah. so yeah. that's uh pretty amazing actually and uh, uh you know i see that on your on your website which is uh unrealdeli.com uh i see a, a few of the uh, reviews right on the right at the beginning there mark cuban and then you're you have the new york times with a food critic there and cnbc but uh, what I like best is the quote that it's uh, a total lifesaver, and that's from uh, cows around the world who uh, would think that. So uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's amazing. So, wow. What a, I mean, it's, it's really amazing the distribution that you've, uh, that you've gotten. Now, um, you um, originally sought out to make... Uh, uh, alternatives to to the meat that you had but w what were you thinking like what could what could the ingredients be like why would you what ingredients would make up a a deli meat sandwich to you like how did that come to you like there are so many ingredients in the world what right so i was already becoming familiar with how to put together uh, plant-based meats in the sense there's uh you know tofus could be used and uh you know, there are a number of ingredients that do a pretty fine job. Uh, one of them that I love the most is uh, this wheat gluten ingredient, which is in a lot of faux meats, and it's one that we use. And just so that folks aren't scared off when they hear the word gluten, uh, basically what wheat gluten is, it's the protein part of the wheat grain. So the actual, like, carb is sort of, like, uh, taken away, and it's really just the protein aspect that winds up going into this meat. And it has this just fabulous texture. So I knew a little bit about working with this ingredients and about creating that meaty texture. And then I guess from my deli days, from just knowing being in the family, I, I knew, and of course I later also researched, what went into a corned beef pastrami type of brine. And I played with those ingredients to incorporate it, and it made this this beautiful corned beef. <laughs> wow, that's, that's yeah. amazing. So... Mm -hmm. um, 
how did you get on Shark Tank? Like, what was the process? So the process essentially was there's a very quick application that you can fill in online. It literally takes 30 seconds. And then if you have a compelling enough product and website, and especially if there's like a video on your website, which I'd had one of those. So when the casting agent checks out the website, they can really get a feel for like, you know, the CEO who's going to be on the show potentially and what the product is. So I think that that video is really helpful. And so after I put in that 30 second web application within a couple of weeks, I got a phone call and started submitting like, you know, a video application. Then they wanted some written applications. I mean, you can imagine it was pretty like stringent and serious how you wind up getting on, but there's a lot of vetting. And then at some point, if you're lucky, you get an invite to actually be on the show. And it was a super exhilarating experience. I wound up making a deal with Mark Cuban for more than double the cash I was asking for, which is a little bit unheard of in Shark Tank history. And Mark actually disclosed to me that he also had family that came from Romania, which is where my great grandpa immigrant came from, and also worked in the New York City Lower East Side delis. So that was just sort of a beautiful kind of coincidence. And um, yeah, he's just been a wonderful partner also on that episode that I was on, which was, it aired in November of 2019. Uh, he said, you know, I love the product and I love you and I want to invest in it. And I, he said, recently went veget just went vegetarian. So I'm working on him for vegan, but we're getting, we've got him already part the way there. The, the richest guy on the Shark Tank panel. Wow, that's uh, mm -hmm. to totally amazing, actually. So do you have to, I, 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 did, I saw clips from that show, but I didn't see the whole show. So did people try, the, try your sandwiches there or try the products uh, on, on the show? Or? Yeah, they did. They tried it on the show, and they all loved it. And it really went just swimmingly. So mm -hmm. uh, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Now, now um, do people have to give projections of numbers? Like, did you have to come up and say... Uh, you know, what things were costing and your projections for revenues and things along yeah. those lines? Or, yeah. yeah. Did you? I had to have all those numbers down, uh, you know, what I bought it for, what I'm the average of what we're selling it for. You, the sharks know nothing about you before you come on the show. So you need to, like, really wow them and tell the whole story in just that little segment that you have. And uh, did, So did you, did, you did. did you give them specific numbers on where you thought you would grow or you know like yeah like i was saying this was in 2019 before anyone knew anything out of the, of the pandemic and i was like we're i'm forecasting three million dollars for next year and we wound up doing a million dollars which was pretty amazing seeing as our restaurant partners were failing so much and it was a very tough year for you know food companies in the restaurant business and restaurants of course mm -hmm. um but uh yeah we i did have to give you know actual tangible numbers well, vegan foods, you know, the vegan alternatives, the vegan dairy, vegan eggs are really skyrocketing now. I mean, that's the real growth area of the food industry from what I'm seeing. I mean, it's uh, there, there, there's no end in sight. You know, the sky's the limit. No end in sight. The sky is the limit. And, you know, I, I speak with people, you know, grocery buyers, restaurant buyers constantly. And I tell them, you know. I got into this from the animals and the truth is getting out about what happens to make regular deli meat or what happens to these animals to make any of the foods that we eat. 
And But not everyone's seeing it from this angle. Some people are getting it from the environmental angle. Some people are getting it from the health angle. But either way, the truth is getting out. And this is the future of food. And I'm able to say that like, very matter of factly now. I don't feel like I have to like put on a whole song and dance. I'm like, these are the facts. Like you, you want to be in with where food is going or you want to be like in with the old paradigm. So right, it's, uh, right. yeah, it's so. kind of itself at this point. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, and I, you know, I, I went to Queens College of the City University of New York and my, my friends came over every Friday night and I prepared a chicken dish. And people yeah. who hear this show probably can recite it recite this story word for word but you know one friday night i looked down at the frying pan and i saw somebody's body and i said uh, i don't think i can eat animals anymore and you know this is uh around 1971 in new york and you know oh. everybody's looking at me like i'm crazy and i was in, uh, engaged uh to a to a butcher's daughter you know and my future ex-mother-in-law was yelling at me you're gonna die if you eat like that and i I became kind of the first vegetarian I ever knew and never uh, could have imagined that I would uh, host host the first vegan radio show in, in mainstream media. But, uh, uh, you know. Very nice. Wow. That's, that's a great story. You know, it, it didn't, I, I kind of knew, like, we're eating body parts. Like, we're eating breast, drinking breast milk. I mean, it sounds so nuts. And I, I accepted it just because we've all been kind of had these blinders put on us, but it yeah. wasn't until I really saw the, the video footage from inside these farms that I said, who greenlit this? Whoever said we're cool with this? Right. Who's for any of us saying we're good going like this, continuing like this? And it's funny, I'll see like just this past weekend, like my one of my kids turned on the TV, got on some random channel and there was like a whole like, you know, a couple of news people along with a chef and they're preparing some fried chicken dish. And I'm watching it and I'm like, I feel like I'm like from the future. And I'm like looking at like, oh, this is like when we used to have slaves. Oh, this is when we used to like kill sweetheart animals for food. Like, how sure. is this still going on? So anyway. Sure. Maybe yeah, I mean, the, my, me, the, the, me, the one who ate that chicken every Friday night seems like from another age, like not even that isn't even who I, I am, you know, it's like a whole different person yeah. that I would eat such, and such disgusting, you know, I mean, when you come right down to it, I mean, I was eating tongue sandwiches, my, you know, I mean, it's like all so gross, the whole idea of eating yeah. body parts, and then, you know, I looked down that, and I think from handling meat also, people could say like, well, I'm, I'm touching a corpse here, these are cadavers, like, what am I doing? So, at that, that time, I said, I, you know, Whoever's in my frying pan now, I don't think volunteered. I don't think I can eat animals anymore. But I didn't think in terms of the dairy industry, the egg industry. I thought, oh, well, cows have to be milked and chickens lay eggs. So I'll, I'll keep eating those. But then then when I was exposed to the information on what happens to in dairy and in the egg industry, I should have stopped those first, basically. Right? I so. hear you. When I, I same here. I mean, I remember first seeing videos. I said to my husband, "All right, we got to go vegetarian." And then I saw more videos, and I was like, "Wait a second! The egg and dairy farming is worse than the meat farm. How could this be?" Right, and, right. And it's almost like you think you know everything, and there's even more like darkness to it because literally just a week ago. 
I start seeing videos because, of course, I now follow all the Mercy for Animals and all the undercover investigations. And I even to this day, now that I'm vegan for a while, I still will sit through any undercover investigation, any slaughterhouse footage, because I say to myself, if there's one video of this, that means it's happening 20 billion times. And that's that's not being shown. So I feel like I owe it to the animals, to the world, to our people to, like, view it. And so um I saw just last week, I couldn't even believe how like harrowing this was, but it's basically this horse farming. And what happens on this horse farming is they get these horses pregnant and they take the blood out of the horses. And the reason why is because it's very like fertile blood and they give this very fertile blood to the pigs and, and cows and other animals, I believe, in order to keep the fertility going. Cause in a norm for a normal mother, you have a baby. And then there's like at least six months or a year where you wouldn't get pregnant again, because I mean, it's possible, but typically you don't because your body needs to kind of reset this like it, it, now is so that pigs and cows don't have a moment to rest these mother animals to then then they have to start re recreating all procreating all over again so it's like just when you think you know all these tricks in this very dark book it's like there was even more it's even worse than you can imagine so right yeah yeah uh, anyway, so i think people do need to think that whatever they think it is worse than they can imagine oh, yeah. um and i'm i'm very actually you mentioned mercy for animals but i am so disappointed in that organization because um of all the you know it it, it supports cage-free eggs and has mm -hmm. taken millions of dollars in donations uh to reverse its positions uh, in, in, you know so it's very very discouraging for me to see what's happened to the you know the animal rights industry because you know they show those uh, undercover investigations but sure. you know you need a clear message of going vegan is the only solution and you know i look at mercy for animals and the millions of dollars they've accepted over the years to reverse their positions and and sell cage-free eggs you know i mean it's like you know that's not a, not a vegan position you know that to to uh to whitewash cage-free eggs you know i mean that's the uh, yeah. you know all the all Funny. the male I was buying only cage-free eggs for a while, sure. and then I was buying this beautiful carton. It We're was sold like, that as the humane choice, right? So, but yeah, yeah it's like you know, seven ninety-nine for a. It's like the most expensive, and I remember the package that I got. It was by this group, Vital Farms, and 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 the packaging literally had like colorful crayon, like was like it was written on, and it's like it just makes you think. Oh, well, obviously, it's sweet, it's happy, it's good. Meanwhile, so I looked into it, this Vital Farms, because I wanted to see, like, what's really the story. And the truth is that they actually do treat their mother hens pretty well. But what do they do when the when the mother hen brings a baby boy into this world? We'll just cull it. We'll just kill it the day it's born. So, you know, you're even if they're taking care of that female hen, they're still slaughtering these innocent baby boy birds. So right. no matter which way you cut it, it is not kosher it is not cool exactly exactly yeah. and um the way they sell cage-free eggs like you say they they show a picture of one hen who looks very happy and clean and you know well-fed yeah. but the reality is every male chick is suffocated or ground alive just after birth and she's mutilated too and kept in crowded conditions whether you know we say cage-free they're still in sheds with tens of thousands of other birds you know sure flying at each other and uh and then they're killed when they can't produce either so nobody yeah. gets out alive 
some people will say, well, why not have backyard hens and, and have your own hens and have them lay eggs? And there are two really important reasons why not. One of them is because any time a chicken lays an egg, which is, of course, their like menstrual cycle, if the egg is taken away, it tells this chicken to lay another egg. And that beats up the body terribly. And a chicken should only lay 12 or 13 eggs per year. And when you start removing them, it'll just continue to lay eggs, which totally hurts its own body, giving all that calcium into the egg. So that's one reason it's actually causing animal abuse by removing the egg. And two is because in, in backyard hen situations, there are no male chickens. So it's only female chickens, which means you're giving them this unnatural life to begin with by just making them together with other females. So those are two nice reasons even to avoid backyard hens let alone, of course, cage-free or anything you're going to buy, you know, in the store. Right, that and, uh, I mean, there, there are really no humane animal products when, when you That's come correct. down to it. That's, and, uh, yeah. you know, we shouldn't sell people uh, on the concept of humane slaughter or, sure. or any of that. And I, um, you know, I, I made a 13-year mistake when I uh, called myself vegetarian for 13 years and ate dairy and eggs, and I went along... You know my pompous self, like, oh, look at me! I look, I, I'm, I'm morally superior. I'm, you know, I'm. But until, oh, yeah. <laughs> until I learned about the dairy and eggs, and and you know, we made a big deal. I it was a program director and radio, and we'd go out with Journey and Omaha Z92. We'd go to the French Cafe because Steve Perry was vegetarian, I was vegetarian, but we were eating dairy and eggs, which you know. Like yeah. says, says the great uh, vegan Cesar Chavez said, "You, you stop dairy and eggs first if you're doing it for the animals." So, mm -hmm. Wow, yeah, I like that. Yeah, so we're talking to Jenny Goldfarb today, and she is the founder of Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli, and it's UnrealDeli.com, and uh, it, it's like delicate essence, right? Delicate essence. Oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> We're, we're we turning like the delicatessen also. into delicate essen. I like that. It's also delicious. Delicious. Deli delicious. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and uh, as I said, the um, your turkey reminded me, it was very different from, you know, other products that I've tried because it did remind me of the turkey roll that I really enjoyed huh? as a child, but, you know, uh, and enjoy now knowing that it's vegan. You know, it's like sometimes people have a hard time going like, well, you know, this reminds me of me to work. But to me, as long as it's vegan. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Chickpeas, beets, whatever. Okay. You know, that, that, that works for me. And then the reminder now is that, you know, the corned beef and pastrami, hot dogs and salami and, and turkey roll, those are all considered processed meats. And the World Health Organization has classified all processed meats as carcinogenic to humans. So, you know, I mean, it's, so it's a good service you're, you're doing now, bringing on an alternative. And, oh, mm. and, and I don't believe, like, any meat should really be kosher. Like, um, if we go to... Um, we go to the book of Genesis, Genesis book one, verse 29, which, yep. uh, you know, is God's first commandment to behold, I've That's given right. you every, every plant on the face Fruit of the earth, tree. Yep. <laughs> every fruit, 
tree, tree with fruit with seed in it, this will be yep. your food. So where do we yep. go wrong and call other meat kosher, you know? So. I'm 100% with you. Not only that, but in the book of Isaiah, it actually says that in the world to come, uh, after like Mashiach, that like in the end of days, that even the lion will be able to lay with the lamb, meaning to say that even the animals will go vegan, the, uh, you know, non-vegan animals will go vegan. So surely we can get this memo and uh, and, and get on this kind of uh, otherworldly diet that really does kind of come from almost like the next world in a sense, if, you, if you're looking at the, the biblical examples there. It's very interesting, actually, even further that uh, that milk and meat need to be separated according to kosher laws. It's almost as though it was anticipated that these are highly toxic foods that at the very least should not be eaten together. But of course, as we know, it should not even be eaten at all. Right. I, I don't know how you get past that first Genesis uh, 1, I'm with 29. You. Like it's that straight it. up. There's the yeah. first commandment. Then how do you make meat yeah. kosher? You know, so so then are yeah. your unreal deli foods considered kosher then like uh, yeah well so they would be kosher anyway just because they are vegan but we've actually gone out of our way and pay a hefty fee in order to get a kosher certification on each package <laughs> sorry that's my vegan dog nothing to be sorry about my, my vegan dog is taking a nap here now and, uh, daisy's taking a nap she may hear your vegan dog but so. yeah Daisy, Daisy likes uh, evolution, vegan dog and cat food. That's that's what. Monty's a wild earth guy, which is another vegan Mark Cuban company, right, Monty? Give a plug for Wild Earth if I can. Okay, um, and um, so Mark Cuban, if he listens to the show, hopefully he'll be convinced to go from vegetarian to vegan. Like, so does yeah, he? Does he have his reason why he's a vegetarian? Have you? Uh, discuss the... you know i don't have that much of a chummy relationship with him that i can dig into his he's your business partner right in the <laughs> yeah but he's my he's a business partner with a hundred other companies also i have actually a very nice relationship i email him about once a week he always sends me something back um you know he'll do me like solids you know do what he can to help the business but uh but for the most part, we, we don't, you know, discuss anything really outside the business. So, um, yeah, I'm not there today, but but it does come up where I'm able to tell him, like, one of the things that we're working on now, because I had mentioned Quiznos before, is that uh, we're working with them to open five virtual restaurants, which are going to be all vegan sub shops inside five of their locations this spring in the Los Angeles area. So when I tell him, you know, vegan cheese and all these things are quite important. I think he, I think, I hope he's, he's getting that memo at least a little bit through me. Mm -hmm. And how did, how did you, how did you get in so many, uh, restaurants and, uh, just because I'm a very convincing girl, I think, <laughs> uh, just, you know, having a lot of chutzpah, being willing to reach out, not being afraid if they say no to me. Um, oh wow. Just as we're on the call, I just received a vegan holiday cookbook by hi. Issa Chandra Moskow. It's your, da your daughter is saying hi. I know. Sorry about that. Nothing to be sorry about. So, okay. yeah. so, you just got a vegan cookbook in the mail. I That's the noise we heard in the background, you opening yeah. a package. I was opening up a cookbook that I'm so excited about because what it apparently has in here are actual vegan matzo balls, which has been the one... Ah. 
code okay. I have not been able to crack thus far, but I'm dedicated this Passover to make it happen. Okay, so you're looking it up right now, the vegan matzo balls? So. I'm talking to you, Bob, and I'm flipping. I'm looking at some <laughs> pictures. And uh, my, uh, my, my mother um, made a, uh, she actually made a vegan um, chopped liver. Yeah, it was easy made to... from string beans or something, sure. as I recall. Yep, walnuts, well, very easy recipe. See, so so I thought maybe I would market that and, and call it, you know, what do you think I am, chopped liver? Or, mm -hmm. What do you think That's this so is, cute. chopped liver? Do it, Bob. <laughs> do it. There. No, steal, steal, steal it from me and give me 10%. Uh -huh. How's that? Like a Mark uh -huh. Cuban thing. So. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you were in the, I mean... The New York Times has uh, written you up, and yep. uh, you were on CNBC, so getting yes. a lot of attention. Yeah, it's a very exciting time. I mean, as everyone knows, what Beyond Meat has done recently with their IPO, and uh, just the world is clamoring for this kind of food, and everyone loves the story of a of a, a person, certainly a woman, a mom, being able to build something from the ground up, so... Uh, I feel very thankful that we have gotten a lot of what I think is deserved attention. I hope that this can inspire people that, uh, that you know, they could start a business, inspire people that it's easy to go vegan, inspire women that they could do anything today. So um, I think it's a, it's a good story worth telling, and I appreciate that we're getting the opportunity. Sure. And, of course, the, the way the story goes, that you're the great-great-granddaughter uh, of a delicatessen owner, you know, doing... Vegan food makes it interesting the way, you know, the, the turnarounds when they happen, you know, John Robbins of the Baskin Robbins family or Howard Lyman cattle rancher goes vegan or uh, right. Bob Linton engaged to a uh, butcher's daughter. <laughs> that's, the, that's, that's the best I can take it to, to that Aww, point. So. That's beautiful. So, yeah. And so, uh, so as you said, you were in lots and lots of restaurants. I mean, lots of them. Whole Foods, you said, was uh, so. Now. Yeah, in our earliest days, we brought on a pre-made sandwich into Whole Foods. We have two amazing sandwiches in Veggie Grill. They have about thirty some odd locations throughout the U.S. We are in an amazing sandwich in a chain called Mendocino Farms, which is in the Bay Area, also Southern California, and some Texas stores. Um, we uh we just got a really yummy burger on the menu at Next Level Burger, which is an all vegan burger joint that now has a Reuben burger, which is like a Beyond Patty with whatever it's Reubenized with our corned beef and kraut and yummy sauce and all the rest. And so, uh, yeah, uh, especially as food service is returning to the world in light of the vaccine and everything, we are going to be in more and more restaurant doors and and certainly very many. Uh, doors through retail, and we also ship to the entire contiguous United States through our online store, UnrealDeli.com. Okay, so you had to yeah, you had to make the switch when the restaurants all closed down yeah. to the pandemic, and you said you switched yes. to to retail, so uh, so okay. people can order. You have uh, what's available? Corned beef and the turkey, or what? Yeah, on our website we have a couple other things. We have a chicken strip and a taco meat, but Soon we're going to have our Unreal Steak Slices, which will also be on the website and in stores. So it'll soon be like three main meats. Right now we have the corned beef and the turkey. That's widely available. Okay. And corned beef is a, a Reuben sandwich, right? That's what goes into Reuben's? Is that? Corned beef makes an amazing Reuben sandwich. It makes an amazing, like, 
corned beef and cabbage. Many folks got into that on uh, St. Patrick's recently. Um, corned beef and eggs or just egg if you're crazy people like me and Bob. Uh, or scrambled uh, yeah. tofu. Scrambled tofu tastes just like Yeah, of course, too. of course. Um, it can go wonderfully into, into quiches, into other baked dishes, into, you know, wraps and sandwiches. And there's something that the Jewish world loves. It's called a deli roll. You'll sometimes see on like Shabbat tables, which is basically puff pastry that has deli meat rolled up in it. So, of course, we're happy to throw our unreal deli meats in place of those other meats and uh, create a much, you know, more harmless rendition. Mm. And like I said, I really liked your uh, alternative uh, turkey, and that was just a basic sandwich for me with uh, veginase on it, and yeah. uh, that that worked for me. So, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear. Yeah, Yay. So- it's so great to see uh, to see such a success story. I love it. So, oh, thank you so much. It's so lovely to meet you and be a part of your radio show. Thank you for doing what you do. Well, thank you so much for doing what you do because, you know, oftentimes people listen to my show and then they say, all right, I'm convinced. Now, what do I eat? You know? Exactly. So, and, yeah. Uh, it's not like we're not foodies, though. You know what I mean? It's not It's not just iceberg lettuce. It's not cardboard. We, we do have the best food and... You know, every day there, you know, there are new, new advances and, you know, look at what you're doing. So, yeah, I I like to say to people, I don't want you to see the videos that I've seen. I just want you to have this for lunch instead. That's it. You know, you don't have to go on these dark paths. You don't have to become a genius in nutrition or environmental or any of this. Just start changing the diet little by little and we'll get you there. Although it is the only way to save the world from climate change and deforestation and pollution and resource depletion and, you know, like the only way to, if animal agriculture is the number one cause of climate change, then um, the reverse going vegan is the solution, which would take us to pre-industrial carbon levels. So, Yeah. Amen. You got that. Totally. Okay. Well, more success, much more success to you, Jenny. And uh, great talking to you again. Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. Unrealdeli.com. You can order online. So thanks for being with us. Thank you so much, Bob. So great to meet you. Keep up the awesome work. You too. I'll be looking forward to uh, another sandwich soon from you, Jenny. Awesome. (laughs) Good to hear it. Be well. You too. Okay, that will just about do it for this episode of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden at GoVeganRadio.com, Facebook, Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden, and Twitter at Go Vegan Radio. And um, we've been doing this now for 20 years. This is our 20th anniversary year of Go Vegan Radio with Bob Linden. As an uncompromised voice for the animals and uh, environmental sustainability and improved human health. Please support us with a donation. You can do so. There's a donate button that you can find. And along with, uh, 
what is it now, about 650 free archived programs. Uh, not all of the ones we did. You know, we did this in the pre-technology era when we just did them live at radio stations or I was working with other technologies, little Sony mini discs and whatever, and stuff that got lost in someone's garage. But uh, there are, what about, about 650 archive programs um, at GoVeganRadio.com where you can make uh, a donation. So we greatly appreciate that. Appreciate your listening. And uh, thank you so much. Again, GoVeganRadio.com.